Welcome back, folks. Uh, it's Sarcasm Speaks. Jared and Bob here coming at you. Uh, we got a. We were just talking right before I hit the record button, so I figured I would just hit the record and get things going. Yeah. So we we were talking about. So I played myopia yesterday, yep. and if you've been a longtime listener, you know I played there last year. Um, it's probably the most unique, coolest golf course I've ever played. Um, I don't know if it's the nicest conditions. It's probably not. But that's not to say they're bad conditions. It's very, very, very good conditions. But um, there's also an element of letting that place kind of be a little more natural. So, like, the fescue grows. There are no cart paths. Like, it's an old fucking piece of property. So, none of it is, like, that manufactured. Like, there's no extra green. Right. Um like you can tell some of the places will play. It's like, they just fire water onto the course and it's like, you know, you know that they're doing extra just to make sure that it looks good. Um, so myopia is immaculate from like a realistic sense. Like, like, you know, like when they talk about Augusta, they'd be like, Oh, they, they spray paint the grass to make sure it's perfect. And like, right, we, right. And like yeah. they get frozen azaleas to make sure that the azaleas are in bloom. Cause I don't believe they're native to that time of the year. I, I don't think. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think so either. So it's like, <clears throat> that's an example of like going over the top. I mean, that that's way over the top, but like, so if I go and play, for example, like, um, like the Bay club, uh, is it the Bay? Maybe it's not the Bay club. Um, let me use the Bay club for example. Um, it's close to the water. So I'm sure water is not really hard for them to get. They will have everything green. Their rough will be green and it won't be like a lot of like native land, like not, not a lot of native area. Right myopia you get about fucking three yards of rough and then it's fucking native fescue yeah. <laughs> and last year i remember it being like a little bit more cabbagey like like a greenish purplish kind of like plant mm -hmm. like really fucking thick but we got a shitload of rain last year this year was like that thin wispy stuff that you usually think of oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. But like that's and like that's just an example like it whatever grows grows is, as in the native areas, like it, it is what it is. Um, it's hard as shit to find and get out of whatever. Um, so playing this year, second time playing, I think we played the same tees, whatever. But again, it's like, you know, I played there once last year, I played there. This is my second time. Um, so a couple of things I remember, a couple of things I fucking for sure don't. Um, so I started, so I started on eight, eight's a par five. Um, I bogeyed it. I had a, so it's a blind tee shot. And where I hit to was the middle of the fairway, which was a blind approach shot. Pulled it a little bit, <laughs> middle of fun. the, pulled it, middle of the fescue. So that's kind of what we're working with. Yeah. Um, and because of the drought conditions, they wanted us to stay in the rough. So it's like, it was a massive pain in the ass for me to like drive all the way up, see what I'm looking at, drive all the way back. Like, Right, right. In, in respect of the course and the wishes of the staff, you know, I'm like, fuck it. I'll just hit a six iron. Like, how bad can it be? It's like, then I pulled it a little bit and I go, oh, fuck, that's in the middle of the fescue. <laughs> um, 
then of course we get to nine nine was the whole uh it's a par three it's nationally ranked and it's nine yards wide nine wow and it is surrounded by bunkers bunkers that when standing in are up to like my shoulder good good it just hit it out to six feet knock the putt in let's yeah. fucking go <laughs> um and then um played the next until uh, through 16 i was one over and the hole that i was i, I bogeyed you hit like say like 200 off the tee you got 135 or so left and it goes straight fucking uphill like and i mean straight fucking uphill and like there's some i've played some holes that go straight uphill and they do not go like not compared to this it's insane and of course you don't feel the wind because it's again blocked completely so like all four of us were way short of the green so you know chip it on two thoughts whatever so i'm anyway then 17 and 18 uh <clears throat> bad bounces tough decisions it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird course to only play annually and again second time Right. Like the ninth hole last year, I remember hitting driver and almost running out of room. So it's like I hit hybrid, but I pulled it. So I was like flirting with a bunker that you can't see. Like you can't see anything. So it's like, fuck. Yeah. Maybe next time I'll fuck it. I don't know. Whatever. Um, so I'm four over through 11, which is pretty fucking good. I mean, that is pretty pretty awesome yeah that's that's pretty good especially for me and especially shooting an 88 there last year so um i get back to one and one big surprise blind shot so <laughs> it's like a 260 par four and last year i hit driver and i hit it into the back left bunker so i'm like all right well let's hit four iron so four iron goes up fairway rough who gives a fuck 90 yards i'm like all right it looks like everything's gonna move to the left so let me just throw it off to the right whatever this thing must have landed at 90 skipped fucking forward and just Ugh. ran the fuck away oh god whereas normally that fucking holds a green and is maybe 20 feet coming back right yeah right. no this one ran 20 yards long and left so that goes into a bunker again shoulder height ball goes out on the green comes all the way back into the bunker but now it's stuck underneath the lip good so from the green back in the bunker underneath the lip unplayable hit that out and i think i'm putting for six at that point which we were playing a uh, stableford so net double i just picked up so yeah yeah I, I was ball in pocket whether it was a putt or not i don't know because what am i hitting so second shot out no third shot out four on playable five from the bunker yeah so one putt is six and um i could only take six there so second hole par five there's like a little creek that i'm looking at i'm like there was something about this hole. I don't remember what. I don't know. Whatever. So I laser the creek. It's 295. And we're elevated T and it's downwind. I'm like, 295. That's <laughs> far. That's far, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I fucking flew this creek. I hit it on a straight line. Like I was trying to hit a cut. It didn't cut. So it's in the fescue and it's gone. And because I know how far I hit driver, 
But when a creek is 295 and I hit it over it, yeah, I have no idea where this fucking ball is. So I'm looking in fescue and I'm not finding it. But right. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll hit. So hit four from the fairway, local rule for a lost ball. That goes next to the green. Uh, try to get cute with the chip. Lands and stays on a sprinkler head, I think. So that was four, chip five. So I'm hitting six. Yeah, hitting six from on top of a sprinkler head. Good, good. <laughs> I just picked it up. I, again, I just picked it because, again, it, it was if I chipped it in from the sprinkler head, and I don't think I got relief because I think it was in, except because I was in the rough. Oh. So if I chipped it in, I would have saved a stroke. Yeah. I'm not chipping in from a fucking sprinkler head. So move on with our lives. <laughs> Next hole, par three. I think it was 235 pin. Wow. That is a ridiculously long par three. Yep. That's and like that's like pro style par three. It's so fucking long. So fucking fun. I mean, those guys would probably still hit like a six iron, but like that's a, I would hit I would have to hit driver. Yeah. It's comical. So yeah. um in uh, so unfortunately be because of how shitty I'm playing, like we're playing slow as a group now. So I'm like, fuck. Um, and a guy forgot his wedge. So it's like, shit. Like, not only am I playing like shit, like this guy forgot his wedge. Like we're fucking behind. Yeah. So I just look, I go ready golf and I hit. And I think I just like flare it out left, whatever. And I'm they're like, they're still like delivering, like deliberating clubs. I'm like, dude, it's 235. Like, do you have a 235 shot or not? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can't be this hard of a decision. Like, yeah. Um, so we're looking, for, I'm looking for my ball on the left. And one guy's like, oh, no, you were hooking it. I go, okay. If I was hooking it, we would be looking way to the right. Yeah you are looking way to the left. So did I fucking hook it? Right. Or did I hit it to the left? Yeah. He's like, oh, way over here. So I think I hit it with the horses. I don't know. I'm not really sure. There's a horse stable next to the third hole. Nice. Um, so then that's, again, hit four from the fairway. I have 54 yards to the pin on this. <laughs> like chip that doesn't get it close. Tried to chip it in, didn't go in. Because I think I, I, I think that I think I had to take one there. I don't know, whatever. Um, Next hole, people hit. I just like blast it into a penalty area. Get that. Like, I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And it's like, so like blasting into the penalty area, obviously not ideal. And it was just like a, it was just like a bad swing. Like that's all that was. But right. the other ones were like bad strategy. I'm just like, man, it is just like so fucking hard to play a place like this when you don't know what to fucking do. Yeah. And it's like 235. Like, what the fuck are you even supposed to do? Because not for nothing. I'm thinking back. Well, actually, so I guess skip ahead because the next hole is the fifth hole straightforward. Sixth hole is was 232 pin par four. So I think it played shorter yesterday. That's cool. And there's like a creek that runs at like, like 190 would have covered the creek. 232 pin. And there's some shit short and water right. And it's like, 
yeah, you can try to drive the green, but like it's blocked by pretty shitty bunkers. Or it's like, I guess you can try to go 190 over the creek, but there is wind at me. So I'm like, I don't know if four irons enough. So I just yeah. hit a seven iron and I just pushed it. So I was like hacking out of the rough, whatever. Um, so it's like the mental gymnastics you kind of have to do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Really fucking hard. And it's like, again, like, to, like, dude, like from even from elevation and downwind, dude, 295, like, I don't hit a fucking driver that far, but apparently <laughs> I do. I, dude, I must have hit this ball 340. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, cause where we're looking, like, we would have found it. Right. We would have right. found it if I hit that, if I hit that ball 325 or less, we would have found it. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? And then I have to turn around and I have to fucking sling 235 into a green. It's like, fuck me. And then even with that, I'm like thinking back, like, you know, hopefully we get invited back next year. I'm like, maybe I'll just lay up. But then I'm remembering that it's a 185 to cover one bunker. And if you're a little bit left, it's going to go into another bunker. So it's like... <laughs> Even your layup still probably has to be like 210, 205, yeah. or you just bail way to the fucking right, which a couple guys did unintentionally. Like yeah. that, that might be the play. It's like, it's like trying to figure out like how to play these places when you only see them once a year. Yeah. And then like, what are the, what are the odds that next time on two, it's going to be downwind? Like what if it's into the wind? Right. Right. Cause like I could have hit, I probably could have hit five iron off the tee. Cause it's a par five, four sixty. I probably could have hit five iron, seven iron and just kind of like pitch a wedge. Yeah. So yeah, that's, know, it's a fuck. It, it's fucking hard. It is just like, it is just like fucking pain in the ass. It's just a old course, right? Like that's just, just old. It's, it, it's, 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 it's a lot of, it's a lot of old and it's a lot of blind. Is and it that, from my buddy, my boy, Donnie? No, 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 it's not this a Donnie is, Ross. No, it's before him. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I, I think the guy who designed it only designed one golf course in his life. And it was this one. <laughs> like, I literally think they like, so we get the spiel, like the myopia club started in Winchester and then they moved up to Hamilton and then they built the golf course and now they got polo and shit. And there's fucking bloodhounds on the property somewhere for <laughs> fox hunting. I don't fucking know. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the dude that built the golf course was not a golf course designer. I don't know if that was a profession at the time. Yeah, I guess that like, makes sense. I think he was just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> or I, I like I could be off a little bit, but it's not like because like Donald Ross and Seth Rayner and Mackenzie McDonald, like all those guys came later. Yeah. Didn't did Jones ever design courses? Bobby Jones? Yeah. No, he was one of the founders of Augusta National, but he okay. was not a wasn't a uh, designer. He was not an architect. He was a lawyer. Oh wow. Jesus. He did okay. <laughs> yeah. Went from a lawyer to a professional golfer to one of the founders. He was never, he never went he never went pro. <clears throat> oh. Bobby Jones never went pro. He was always an amateur. Oh shit. Oh, look Which at that part of that's like part of the things with him is like, so he did win the grand slam, but 
back in the day, the Grand Slam included the USAM and the Amateur Championship. So we won US Open, USAM, Open Championship, Amateur Championship. And that was the Grand Slam he won in whatever, 1930. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he, he was never a professional golfer. Wow. Now, no well, one ever is really like, wow, the honor of Bobby Jones. Like, no one does that shit. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, myopia hunt architect architect Herbert <laughs> Leeds. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of him. <laughs> Herbert Leeds, born in Boston, died in Hamilton in 1930. Jesus. He. Uh, Designed the course himself for 30 years. So we did. Okay. So we did do a few other layouts. Um, so if he died in 1930. What was he born in like fucking 1865? 1855 old wow he was he went uh, to 75 defying the odds yeah jesus so he was alive before the civil war wasn't the civil war in 1865 something like that 1860s yeah yeah <laughs> i'll tell you one thing though this so Leeds was born into a wealthy family lifelong sportsman sailing golf went to harvard Born in Boston, died in Hamilton, built this Local place, guy. myopia, whatever. I assure you, off the 15th hole, someone's like, oh, it looks like a, like a nice old English manor house. I go, yeah. And if you look to the left, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell that there were servants living there. Yeah. That's like, the slave fucking quarters. For sure. Yeah. And now they get like, away with it. They're like, oh, that's the carriage house. Yeah. Mm, nah, not quite. Yeah. It's it the carriage it, house. It might hold a carriage today. <laughs> Yeah, I'm telling you right now, this house and like this house and this age of whatever, um, human beings were absolutely purchased and lived there. Oh yeah, like one thousand percent, fucking for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess so. What he's also done was Palmetto, which is in Aiken, South Carolina. That's supposed to be super, um, super exclusive, super nice. Kibo Valley and Bar Harbor, which I don't, I don't know shit about, but everyone says Bar Harbor is fun, but I just look at the drive and be like, it's, Oh yeah. It's it a million miles away. Six hours. Right. From us. You might as well just fucking drive to Canada at that point. Yeah. And then Bass Rocks in Gloucester, if you can ever get out there. Yeah. I don't think that's one of those like really uppity courses, but I, it is for sure. Very private. Yeah. Um, So that's yeah. yeah. So I mean that that's the guy who who designed it. But huh. again, I he like not really a designer, if you will. Yeah. Also, how the fucking in nineteen fucking dickety two do you get to fucking Bar Harbor, Maine? Boat? It has to be boat from the a North horse shore. horseback. Oh my god! In a carriage, you ride a covered wagon. <laughs> like that's insane. Like that's so far. When did they invent cars? Like the like 1920s, but yeah. Like, so and not like everyone he, had a car because not everyone afford like, it. Was there a like? Does a train go up there? Like how the it fuck had to have been the, a train. How the fuck in there had the, to have been a train. He designed this course in 1894. 
That was myopia. I assume yeah. Bar Harbor came later. So somewhere between 1894 and like 1915 would put him at 60 years old. So let's say, yeah, let's say between 1895 and 1915 over that 20 year span. How the fuck does someone get from Hamilton, Massachusetts to Bar Harbor, Maine? Yeah. Like, even if it's by boat, like, so you're going to take this boat ride to go design a golf course, like, like how the fuck was that worth it? Yeah, that's nuts. Cause you'd have to take a horse from Hamilton to Gloucester. Right. And then you'd have to take the boat from Gloucester to Bar Harbor. That's yeah, a lot of fucking work. That seems like a lot of work. That seems like a, that's at least like a two day ride on horseback. <clears throat> from Hamilton to Gloucester. Yeah. I don't even know how far I guess I don't even know how far, how far that is. Like how far does one horsepower get you? <laughs> I don't know. What's the, what's the mile an hour on that? Yeah. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the output? It's like five, like one horsepower, like five miles an hour. Is that too much? I don't know. I mean, Paul Revere did it. I feel like you could bike faster than that. He rode pretty far, but that's the thing. Like the horse, uh, you got to have the, the horse has to have stamina, right? Like they can run pretty fast, but how long can they keep it up? I feel like if you're going to, uh, if you're going to take a horse on a long distance, like you got to keep it at a little trot, nice little jog saunter, if you will. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know how the fuck I just, it's just, that's, that's fucking crazy. Like bar heart. I just don't know how the fuck you get up there. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause you don't think about that. People forget. Yeah. People forget cars were invented in like 1920. So and it's like, and I'm thinking it probably wasn't car because although Harvard, Harvard connection, I was going to say like, even if, cause I, I want to say the car was invented in like 1916, 1918. Yeah. But like then that. also, even if it was like, how far could the car or fucking travel or 1908, something like that. But then it's like, yeah. So how <clears throat> widely available is it by 1915? Right. Well, one, how widely available is it? Two, how far can it actually travel? Right. Is it like on gas? Because if cars are brand new, there's not a gas station on every corner. It's like it would be kind of like the electric vehicles now. Like there's not like an electric charging station on every corner. There's certainly more now than there was like five or 10 years ago. But like you're kind of limited there. So like, I don't know. It's just it's not model, model T 1908. <clears throat> so 1908. So that's like seven years of production, which back then is not long enough for cars to be like widely available. Never in the like, never no. mind. Can you rely on one to drive what is current day five? I think it's five. Maybe it's four and a half. I don't think it's six, six, six. If you go north six hours, you have to hit Canada. I feel like. Yeah. Um, from Boston, from you. I mean, that's another. Whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Google just gave me nothing on how long can a model T drive. Like that would have taken days to get up there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, uh, I got nothing on distance, it's like fun. distance able to travel. Transmission was a two speed. <laughs> It had twenty stop and go. It had twenty horsepower. Yeah, that's more than one. 
Yeah, it's more than although you could a take covered two, wagon. <laughs> oh, you could take two horses though. Yeah. They got plenty of horses, I'll tell you that much. There's a fuck shit, fucking shitload of horses, especially now. Yeah. That's wild. Um, yeah, so since we're on golf, um, <clears throat> I actually had a little bit of time today for the first time in a while to break down uh the golf tournament this weekend because it is the very first uh week of the FedEx Cup playoffs in the PGA tournament. <clears throat> so I looked into some statistics. Uh shout out to Data Golf, uh not a sponsor of the show. Uh they don't sponsor really anybody, but whatever. Because no, everyone uses them. Yeah, Data Golf is a great website. Um so I also have not looked at, I have not looked at one statistic, so I cannot confirm or dispute anything you're saying. I will just actually, you know what I I can and will dispute them, but, uh, might not be based in facts or numbers. So basically this course, which is TPC Southwind again, it's the FedEx St. Jude invitational. I forget, I forget what it used to be called. Yeah. It used used to be the. So I think it's always been the FedEx St. Jude. It's just, it wasn't a playoff. Okay. Event. Cause they've been playing there for a long time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So must be nice in Memphis. If it's 90 and fucking humid as fuck here, where do you think it is in Memphis? Oh yeah, dude. I you think can it's only like 62. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like nice 62. And cool. Yeah. Balmy 62. Yeah. It's got, it's gotta be one Oh five, like yeah. every bit of one Oh five and just oppressive. Absolutely fucking miserable. That's what it is. Um, so looking at the course and how it stacks up, um, in most every statistic across the board, it is average. Um, the course yardage is just about average. It's a little shorter than average, but still like everything where it lines up is average. Driving distance is a little bit longer, but still like closer to average than it is to the top. Uh, the average score to par is 0.95 strokes under, which is right around average. Like everything about this course is fucking average, except oh, so gross. Eight except one last year for the fairway width. So the width, the average width of the fairway is 29.6 yards, which that's really fucking small. Like those are some small fairways. You have roughly 30 yards to, to get your ball out there again, on average, but still, and also combine that with the missed fairway penalty. So this, for anyone that doesn't know what that means, a missed fairway penalty is what is the average strokes gained or lost uh, versus a player that hits it in the fairway off the tee versus hits it in the rough. So uh, TPC Southwind sits at 0.45. So you're roughly a half a stroke worse on every hole if you hit it into the rough off the tee. So not only do they have some of the short, the narrowest fairways, but if you miss that narrow fairway, you're on average going to add a half a stroke to that hole. So those two stats in particular are what stood out because like I said, literally everything across the board, just average. So um, 
I took that and I picked some stats to look at from there. Um, and I looked at strokes gained T to green and also driving accuracy. Um, I, I did look at good drive percentage too, but like, it wasn't like a, it was just kind of like, Oh, I like this guy. So let me see what his good drive percentage is. So a good drive percentage for anyone that's listening is it's a combination stat. So it's how many times do you hit the fairway? Or if you miss the fairway, do you get on the green or on the fringe to the green after hitting in the rough? So that's what good drive percentage is versus driving accuracy. Driving accuracy is very straightforward. It's do you hit the fairway? Like what percentage of the time do you hit the ball in the fairway off the tee? Um, but the good drive percentage is again, takes into that account. Um, not only just do you hit the fairway, but if you miss the fairway, do you get it on the green? <clears throat> so um, then I looked at the, the shot distribution, which they give you. So 23% of the shots uh, that come from an approach, these are approach shots into the green are between 150 and 175 yards. And then 21 and a half come from 175 to 200. So you're looking at almost 50% of your shots. I think it comes out to be what, 44 and a half percent. So call it 45% of your shots, your approach shots into the green are going to come from between 150 and 200 yards. So those are going to be important distances to look at too, when it comes to uh, approach. So I did all this shit and I came up with a few guys here. Um, so again, I, I, I looked at um, driving accuracy uh, and then approaches from 150 to 175 and then approaches from 175 to 200. Uh, and then again, I, I took into account um, and, a, and around the green also that I just pulled from the strokes gain T to green. So pgatour.com, when you use strokes gain T to green, which is very self-explanatory, it's all of your strokes gained except for putting, essentially. Um, they give you a breakdown of like, the strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green. So I I pulled the tee to green stat only to, to look at that, but also to use the column of around the green because I wasn't going to take anybody that had a negative number in around the green. Um, so I don't, again, I don't want anyone that's losing strokes around the green. I want someone that's accurate off the tee and I want someone that's good on approaches from 150 to 175 and then 175 to 200. So I came up with, uh, I only have one outright bet. And that is Sung JM <laughs> at 32 to one. Oh, so the other thing too, let me back up here. Um, it's the first it's the first event of the FedEx cup playoffs. Uh, there's three events. So typically in the past too, um, the guys that win this are 
legit, right? So Abraham answer won last year. Um, so whatever, he's gone now. He's on the live tour, but he he did win it last year. 2020, Justin Thomas. 2019, Brooks Kepka. 2018, Justin Thomas. 2017, Hideki Matsuyama. 2016, Dustin Johnson. 15 was Lowry. 14 was Rory. 13 was Tiger. So typically, the people that win here are good, right? So I know Lowry ended up being really good. You could make the argument that when he won here in 2015, he wasn't the Shane Lowry that he is now. But all of these guys that have won uh, are are really fucking good, right? Uh, you're not, it's not like, you know, Tom Kim is not winning this week or, you know, fucking. Uh, oh, don't sleep on Tom Kim. Yeah. <laughs> so I went with Sung J.M. because he's 10th overall in uh, strokes gained T to green. He's 30th in driving accuracy. Uh, he is 30th in um, greens hit from 150 to 175. He's ninth in greens hit from 175 to 200. Um, he gains almost half a stroke around the green. So I like, I like Sung JM to win. I think the course fits him, uh, his, his game. And if I look, uh, really quickly, I don't see, I don't think he did that well here last year. I don't see him on the leaderboard from last year, but, uh, his stats fit. Oh, he finished T 46 last year. So that's obviously not ideal from a course history standpoint, but, um, his game would seem to fit at least what I have deemed important. So, I mean, take that for what, for what it's worth. Um, so Sung JM again at 32 to one here. Uh, that's the only outright that I have, uh, right now. Um, I have two top fives. I have Hideki Matsuyama at plus 780 and Shane Lowry at plus 790. Um, oh, the other thing about Sung JM is he's playing well right now too. So I combine the fact that, um, he's been playing well recently with, you know, his stats kind of fit what you need to do around here. Um, and I think that fits pretty well. So the, let me see, where am I going here? Uh, top five Hideki and, and Lowry. So Hideki, let me type his name in real quick. Matsuyama, Matsu. So he's 16th in strokes gained T to green. Uh, he's 101st in driving accuracy. So that was a little, a little concerning, which is why I took him top five. Uh, however, he's third in greens hit from 150 to 175. He's also ninth in approaches, just uh, like just flat out approaches from that distance uh, with an average distance out of 25 feet. So if you give Hideki a shot in the fairway from 150 to 175, on average, he leaves it 25 feet from the pin. Um, 
Now he also kind of tails off in the longer distances. He's 109th in greens hit from 175 to 200. Um, which again, this is why I'm not taking him to win. I'm just taking him top five. Um, but I think he fits this course re- relatively well and he finished T2 here last year. So obviously then I said, uh, you know, Shane Lowry was my other top five guy. He's played really well this year. Um, I feel like he's the guy that's this year, at least is always the uh, bridesmaid, never the bride. He's always kind of in that kicking around the top 10. Uh, has he won this year yet? Who? Shane Lowry. Uh, yeah, he did. He win the Arnold? No, he lost the playoff in the Arnold Palmer, I think. Yeah, that or the Honda. No, Burger fucked the Honda. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, he he's been kicking around. He's always kind of there. Um, he won this event in 2015. Uh, he finished T23 last year. Um, let's see where he sits. He's 21st in uh, strokes gain T to green. He's 57th in driving accuracy, 57th in greens hit uh, from 150, and T69th in approaches from 150. He's 20. So he gets better. He's like the opposite of Hideki. He's better from the longer distance. He's 21st in greens hit from 175 to 200, and he's 11th in approach uh, approaches from the same distance. So on average, uh, he leaves it about 30 feet, 30 feet, five inches um, from 175 to 200. So I like Lowry. Again, I like uh, Hideki and Sungjae. And then I got a couple guys for a top 10. One of them is Tony Finau um, at plus 220 and a top 10. Literally the only reason why uh, I have him in my for a top 10 bet is because he's hot as fuck right now. Um, I don't think he's going to win, but he is just playing super well. He won back-to-back weeks a couple weeks ago. Um, he is fifth on tour in strokes gained tee to green. His driving accuracy is not good. Uh, he's 122nd in driving accuracy. However, uh, he's seventh in greens hit from 150 to 175 and 19th in approaches from the same distance. He's first in, on tour in greens hit from 175 to 200 and third in approach from that dis- same distance, leaves it about 29 feet, nine inches. So his driving accuracy is dog shit, right? So the the whole thing, those those stats, the the greens hit and the approaches from those distances are predicated on hitting it from the fairway, right? So when Finau is in the fairway, he's really fucking good. However, like I said, he ranks 122nd in driving accuracy. So it's one of those, like, it makes me nervous. So that's why I'm betting him top 10. Uh, plus you add the factor that he's, like I said, he's hot as fuck right now. He's playing really well. Um, so I don't, I don't know his numbers uh, out of the rough versus the fairway, but I would imagine they're probably not great. Um, so 
Oh, so another thing, just in case people are like, oh, why did you pick all these stats? Like, how do you know they're important? Well, the guy that won last year, Abraham Answer, just for shits and giggles, like I looked at where he fell. So Abraham Answer, again, won this event last year. He's sixth. Now, he hasn't played in a little bit because he left to go to live, but his stats are still counted here for this season. He's sixth on tour in driving accuracy. He's 119th in greens hit from 150. He's 24th in approach from the same distance. He's 47th in greens hit from the 175. And he's seventh in approach distance from the 175 to 200. So, and he's the guy that won last year. So he's at the top of all of those stats. So that also kind of made me feel pretty good that, oh, I think I got, I think I have some, some decent stats here. Oh, the last two guys that I have, I'm not going to um, spend a ton of time with them. Well, one of them I will, the other one I won't, but it's uh, Russell Henley plus 450 at top 10 and Corey Connors uh, plus 580 in the top 10. So I'll give you the brief, the cliff notes on Corey Connors. He's good. He, he, he's good in the, from the fairway from 150, the both distances between 150 and 200. He's pretty fucking good. Um, he's also 13th in strokes gain T to green. So I think he's relatively accurate off the T too. He's 28th. So Russell Henley, I have him as a top 10 bet right now. I think I potentially am going to also bet him outright which all of these numbers are from mybookie.com, by the way. Shout out to mybookie. Uh, go to mybookie.com, use the promo code SarcasmPod when you sign up, and they'll double your first deposit up to 1000 bucks. So again, all these odds are from mybookie.com. Um, Russell Henley is 50 to 1 uh, to win this week. So let me give you his stats. He's 11th, strokes gained T to green. 19th in driving accuracy, first in greens hit from 150 to 175, 20th in approaches from that distance, 59th in greens hit from 175 to 200, and 101st in approaches from the longer distance. So he is great across the board, and then he's average um, in the approach from 175 to 200. So I really like him top 10 plus 450. And I think I might also take him 50 to one to win outright. He's another guy that's been playing pretty well, uh, recently. Um, I don't have his stats right in front of me, but I know he finished, uh, he finished near the top at the Wyndham. Um, I think he did well at the open also question mark. Um, so he's playing well right now. Yeah. So while you were talking, I just did my whole breakdown because yeah, I, f- I figured you were, <clears throat> yeah. you were doing so that. normally I would break down a lot of stats too, but there's a couple of reasons why I'm not. And one is the field is strong. Um, right. It is a playoff event. I forget when it started. It it was a, I think it was a playoff event last year, maybe the year before. Don't remember. And it was a WGC for one of those years. So it was either 
21-20 as playoff WGC or it was playoff playoff WGC. Don't remember. Um, so years past, it's been very, very mediocre field. Um, so now all the guys are here. So everyone's playing. Everyone's here. Everyone's geared up. Everyone's rested. So I like good players. Now, is Russell Henley worth a 50 to one? Probably. I just tweeted it out. Um, he's two to one top 20. Um, I'm just going to skip because with only three playoff events and the guys that are around and playing, um, I'm just, I'm just going to skip it and I'm going to, I'm going to play the hits. So I like Zalatoris outright 21 to one. I like Morikawa 30 to one. And I like Burns 30 to one. Um, the top dogs who I really like their numbers suck. So if you need me to pick a winner for the tournament, yeah, it's probably one of those guys in the teens. Um, like I could see people sleeping on Scotty Scheffler cause he hasn't won since April. Um, right, right. but he had, he did win four times. He's a ball striking machine. Cause that's the, the other thing when you read off past winners, all I thought was strokes gained approach. Yeah. Um, so like he hits the fuck out of the ball. He hasn't won in a while. People kind of forget. So people forget he's really good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the gambling odds haven't forgotten, but people have kind of forgotten. Um, right. right. So, I, so uh, I, that, that screams approach to me. He's like, he's like 17 to one or something. It's bullshit. 1325. Yeah. That's awful. So um, I'm not betting yeah. that. Yeah. No. Um, so the best ball striker, pure ball striker this year. I'm not, and I don't care about stats. Again, I'm not letting this, it, it's Zalatoris in my opinion. It might be Rory by stats, but number one strokes gained approach. He's got to be top three, just in pure strokes gained approach. If we don't filter for yardage, none of that. Right. So he's up there. I think he is the best iron player on tour right now, this season. Right. right. Um, it's a playoff. He tends to show up when the terms matter, whatever. Colin Morikawa, he's been the best iron player prior to this year. So getting him 30 to one, I feel like is stealing or the books are buying my bet because he's, they know he's not going to win. So it's like, Hey, let's give him an inflated number. Morikawa um, for whatever reason has not played well this year. No. And he's struggling with his ball flight, which is fair, but um, yeah, he's just had, he's just had like such a, like a uh, on it by his standard, a bad year. Probably because he got engaged like a fucking idiot. Yeah, probably. Um, Moron. Yeah. And then uh, Sam Burns. He's won three times this year. Yep. He is extremely fucking good at golf. He does have three wins this year. People forget. <laughs> Lost in a playoff to Scheffler or beat him in the playoff. I don't remember. I think he won. I think Burns won. I think he hit a lot. Yeah, Burns, Burns won. Okay, so he won He won the playoffs. So he won Was three. it the Valspar? He beat Scheffler in the playoffs? Yeah, or that's probably what it was. Yeah. Um, and he's also 30-1. to 1. It's like, I, I don't think the odds-wise, I don't think he's twice or half as likely to win as Scotty Scheffler. Right. Like, like Morikawa... Again, I call I call 30 a good number because he's generally in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably 
half as likely to win this year as those other guys. But Burns is Burns and Zalatoris are right up there. So just looking really, really quick at Morikawa's stats, he's missed three out of his last four cuts. Um, so just going back, he missed the cut at the Open. He missed the cut at the Scottish Open. Yeah, that's he finished T five at the U.S. Open. He missed the cut at Memorial. Then he was T40 at the Charles Schwab, T55 at the PGA, T29 in Zurich, T26 at the Heritage, fifth at the Masters, and then T9 at the uh, the match play. So he's been so that's that's very mediocre. What yeah. what reaches or what shows up to me is when when this when you said this place is a very very average stock standard PGA yeah. Tour course. That means like, so again, so he showed up at two of the majors. He, again, mediocre at one and missed the cut overseas. I'm not judging his performance based on what happened over there. Never mind, that was also three weeks ago. So he hasn't played in three weeks, right. which for these guys, someone's like, oh, he hasn't played in three weeks. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's actually probably a good thing for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, he hasn't played well this year. That's why he's 30 to one. But if this is going to come down to iron play, I will take him. Like he, he yeah. has shown to this year that he is extremely good with his irons. And if you want to give me 30 to one on him, I'm going to take it. So if th- this would fit the category of one of my pet peeves, it's like, Oh, good bet. It's a good bet. It's like, no, it's only yeah. a good bet if it fucking hits. But right. I just, I like, I like the number and the player, like the player, the player's profile and the number that that's why I like Morikawa. If you don't like Morikawa, then don't take him because it doesn't matter if he's fucking 60 to one. If you don't think he's going to win, it's fucking useless. Right. Right. <clears throat> so also Russell Henley is second in strokes gain approach. You know, who's first. Will Zalatoris. Oh, is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and the only reason I don't like Henley is because he's not a winner. Now he has won before. Right. The only reason I didn't throw him in there is because I, I don't, I, I just look at the field. I just think it's extremely unlikely that someone like him is going to pull a 2010 Nick Watney and like yeah. the field. Like, I mean, answer did win last year. I would, I would put answer on the same level as a Henley. I think answer is a little bit better of a player. Yeah, that's Henley's, Henley's a better iron player. Probably hits it further too. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to make of Abraham answer. Yeah, I don't think we're ever gonna really see that now that he left to go to live because yeah. he's only like twenty seven. Yeah, he's young, so I don't know. But yeah, it, like I think, yeah, I think answers again. I think answers probably better player because henley's yeah. been around a while man like henry henley won an event in like 2013 oh really so when like it, it's something like that i think, think so i think he won in hawaii in like 2013 as a rookie i think it was his first start oh, might have wow. been might have been the sony and like dude he really kind of hasn't been around yeah so that's why i'm like but that's also why I have him top 10. I haven't, I I haven't taken him yet as an outright. I just, I might, because that 50 to one is like, is really enticing. 
Yeah, Especially I mean, even fucking two bucks makes a hundred or five bucks makes two fifty. Like, right. Right. You don't have to put a lot of money on him. Yeah. Especially like when he's, uh, he's first in greens hit from one fifty to one seventy five. He's literally the best player on tour at hitting the green from that distance. Yeah. I, I think. And that's where 23% of the shots come from at this course. Yeah. And I, I just think the only hard part for, for, pulling for a dog or like a dark horse is like JT won the PGA roars should have won the open did win in Canada. Scheffler's won four Burns has won three Xander's won two Finau's won two. Like some of these guys at the top are actually winning. Right. Right. So it's like, if they're going to actually play and never mind, it's like the top guys have seemed to kind of ball out a little bit with all the live shit going on. Right. I don't want to say Oh, they're only playing well because now they're more motive. No, fuck that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, the motivation factor. <laughs> yeah, it's the motivation. But yeah. I have noticed that the top guys have seemed to have been hanging around ever since the fucking live shit started. So right. Like, like again, it's golf, so you really can't force it, but it's almost like, you know, Jay behind closed doors, like, hey, can you guys get your shit together and make a fucking compelling tournament here? Like, right, right. So we can pull some fucking viewers. Right. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you just like those three guys for outrights. You yeah. Have any, I'm not, I'm not, fuck, five, I'm not, fucking with any, I'm not fucking with anything else. Again, like if you want to look at Henley, go ahead. Um, the rest of it, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I, it's too hard. Cause I, again, I think it's going to come from one of those top six guys. Yeah. I would say so too. Right. I mean, like I said, when I read the, the past winners, it's, Outside of answer, JT, Kepka, JT, Hideki, DJ, Lowry, it's all Rory, top guys. Tiger. Yeah, it's all top guys. So and the then, only guys that weren't at the top of the year that they won were Lowry in 15 and answer last year. And then if you look at the strongest fields of this year so far, at the Open, Cam Smith won. He's been right. great all season. He also won the players. So he's been good all year. Right. Open U.S. Open. Matty Fitz. He was the strokes gain leader T to green all year. Yes. Or strokes gain total. One of the strokes gain total. He was strokes gain total. So from a strokes gain perspective, he was the best golfer on the tour this year. I think Roars passed him, but yeah. Okay, but so when he won the U.S. Open, so he, he won the U.S. Ball. Open. Yeah. JT was like he's like top three. He's like top three in every fucking, or he's like top five in every fucking stat except putting. Yeah. So it's like, again, another guy statistically having a great year. Scheffler, that was his fourth event that he won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so far this year, it's like, again, the, the good players have been winning. So yeah, I, I'm, try, I do I'm, think, trying, I'm trying to keep it simple. I do think the winner is most likely going to be one of those guys. But like I said, it's. What's the fun too in taking Scotty Scheffler at 13, just no, over 13 to one? Or Rory, it's lame because then if he wins, Rory's and plus 920. You're still, yeah, that's horrible. Like you're still upside down. If she, you could, you could take an outright, say, say you bet like 10 bucks and you take yeah. an outright, but you also do some top fives, top 20s, whatever. You can hit your outright and still be upside down and like still how, not, not like, cover the weekend. Yeah. That's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like what fun is that? Right. Right. And that's kind of also why I went with Sung Jay at 30 to one. Like, I think that's, I think that's a pretty good number. So the other thing too, 
about a really strong field and we don't have to go down this, this rabbit hole, but when it comes to something like a DraftKings, like a daily fantasy, a strong field is actually beneficial because I have a couple of DraftKings lineups and Russell Henley, I think is in all three of them that I have right now. He's like 7,800 bucks on DraftKings. So like I read you his stats, right? He's, he's really fucking good. The stat, his stats fit this course on paper and you can get someone like him at, for 7,800 bucks on a DraftKings. And also too, like I said, he's 50 to one on the outright and someone like Sung JM is 30 to one outright where, you know, maybe during a, a normal one-off event, you know, Sung J might be like, you know, depending on the event, really, he could be the favorite, but he's probably going to be somewhere between 12 to one and 20 to one. But because this is such a strong field, he's 30 to one. So, you know, like you said before, it's the, oh, it's a good bet. It's kind of a fucking lame argument, but it does come into play uh, with strong field events, right? Like I'm just looking at it right now on my bookie. Shane Lowry is 33 to one to win this week. So it's like. That's a pretty good number. That's a real, that's a really good number. Like he's won here before he's uh, he's really good. I, I have him. I forget what it was. He's really good from the longer distances, right. From 175 to 200. He's accurate off the tee. Like Shane Lowry could be worth it at 33 to one too, you know, and it, but again, he's a guy that during a normal week, that's not non-major non-playoff event. He, you might be looking at 18 to one. You know, but this week he's 33 to one. So <clears throat> sometimes the the stronger field helps um, from that standpoint as well. Like I said, from, from a daily fantasy perspective and then also from uh, like a, an odds perspective. So. I don't know. I might, I might fuck around and make some more outright bets too. Now that I, I just looked at Shane Lowry at 33 to one, I like that, but. We'll see. Because the other thing too is how long has this been a playoff event? Did you say it's either it's either its second or its third year? Okay. So that would be going back. It would be answer JT and Kepka. No. Um, so Ke- when Kepka Kepka, it was not a playoff event when Kepka won. I think okay. I'm actually kind of thinking last year was the first playoff event in the year before we was a WGC. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I was going to say th- looking back and I know the, the playoff thing has changed a little bit. Obviously they went from f- <laughs> four events to three and changed some stuff around there. Um, but I was going to say the, uh, the guy that wins this event typically doesn't go on to win the, the, the tour championship, right. The, the FedEx cup. So you take, you could take that into play, right? Like if you're like, well, I don't know. I think Scotty Scheffler is probably going to win, but the guy that wins this tournament usually isn't the one that wins. You could probably, you know what I mean? You could play that game too, which is kind of a lame game to play, honestly, but it's something to do. It's almost like a fucking motivation factor thing, right? Like, 
oh, well, you know, this team is going to play harder because they hate those guys. It's like kind of along those lines. Well, yeah, you're going to pick a guy that's not going to win the FedEx Cup, but he's still good. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't even have enough history to do that because this is probably only the second or third year anyway. So I will say without looking it up, whoever does win that first playoff event went back when it was the Barclays and the Northern Trust and whatever. It was, it was a lot. It got, it, that, that was always really goofy. Yeah. Cause some of them would skip the next event. Like if they won the first event, they just like wouldn't play the second event. And there was a lot of guys that like just wouldn't play the first event. Like if they were in the top 10, like if they're in the seven, in seventh in the FedEx cup standings, they were like, yeah, I'm just going to skip the first playoff event. You know what? I'm actually thinking now, I think I was wrong. I think this is the first year of it being a playoff event. Because oh. Tony Tony Finau won the Northern Trust last year. Yeah, so this is the first year of it being a playoff event. Holy shit. All right. Definitely wasn't last year. Yeah. Yeah, so they so actually, they actually played the Northern Trust last year. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, there you All go. Right. Where was the Northern Trust? Was that in Chicago or something? No, it would have been... Should have been the New York area. Hmm. The other one is Chicago, isn't it? Used to be. You know, go, you know what they're going next next week? Where? Wilmington, Delaware. Jesus. That's fucking stupid. Yeah, because it used to be Boston, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. Like those were the four playoffs. Playoff cities, regions, whatever. Yeah, now it's Memphis, Wilmington, Delaware, and Atlanta. Yeah. (laughs) Sick. (laughs) Got to go to the game. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, well, you got anything else? Do you want to start wrapping this up? Yeah, we can wrap this up. All right. Let me... I don't even know. Do I have anything in this sheet? Probably not. (laughs) No, you just have the one from Jones. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so Costco travels today. I found. Well, so I guess in, in the, 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 the long of it. So we got Costco memberships whenever I found like the full cuts of all types of shit. Ribs, beef ribs, pork ribs, short ribs, whole pork bellies, whole um briskets all of it and it's all at like prices that i actually would pay it's just so much fucking quantity of food i don't know what to fucking do with it yeah i mean we've talked about this off air but those places are great like you have a membership at costco and i have a membership at bj's now like what the like what you just said the 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 stock that they have there is fucking unreal that's the thing is like so I saw like, so not only do they have things that I can't find elsewhere because they sell it in whole, it's usually like at some price you can maybe afford ribeyes, notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, so I found Picanha today. Have you uh-huh. ever seen, have you ever seen this? No, not, okay. not like raw in a fucking package. Have you ever seen videos of people making it? Yes. Okay, because I think what it really effectively is, it's a steak 
Because I think you buy, I think you buy the roast and it, and you cut it into steaks. I think that's it's Brazilian, the, right? Um, I think so. I think it's a. I think the Brazilians made something with it, or were commonly using it. Whatever. Yeah. So I actually think it's a moderately tougher piece, or like it's not. It's because. It ain't a ribeye, it ain't a strip, nothing like that. Right. But I think it's I think it's actually a tougher piece because I think it comes from closer to the hip. Hmm. Um, like like near some like the rump cuts and stuff like that. So, but the thing about it is it's got a massive fat cap on it. So like that's that's how I've I can like identify it in yeah. a way, like when I see videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so they sell the whole bastard, and I think I think you have to like carve it up though. So I'm like, obviously, I want everything, but I'm like, ah, that <laughs> yeah. that, that might not be the one to get for like the first, yeah, like full vac sealed adventure, right. right, right. Because I think it also it comes like because it comes whole. I think there's some pieces of it that you don't want to use. Okay. Like, I think it's like super fucking lean. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at, I just looked it up. Uh, Picanha is a cut of beef first made popular in Brazil and later adopted in Portugal. Uh, it is little known in the United States and often named the top sirloin cap, the rump cover or the rump cap. Um, and it is, it's a pretty lean cut with the fat cap right on top of it. Yeah, like it's got like a massive fat cap to it. I think you, I think you just, I think ideally you cut it into steaks and eat it that way. So like, I don't think it's a slow cook, huh? That would be a uh, question for Nick. Shout out to Nick, friend of the show. He's the meat guy. <laughs> mm, is it though? Because picanha might not be all that common. Yeah, that's fair too. No, I like again. I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I'm think sure I, he's he's come across it in his travels. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 uh again. It, but I I get I think generally I see people cooking it like as a steak, not as a whole, or they cook it as a whole, cut it, and maybe sear it for like a second, something like that. Um, because I think when it when it is that lean slow cooking it's just going to turn into fucking jerky yeah so it says the traditional preparation in brazil is to skewer the meat and cook it over a charcoal grill uh with minimal seasoning it doesn't really matter um in brazil the fat is retained until the steak has been cooked so i think they cook it with the fat on and then probably cut it off after. and if they skewer it that means it's over an open flame type thing yeah so that's that's not said, on, that's not on grates or anything in the united states however the fat tends to be removed before preparation unless requested by the customer that's dumb that just seems yeah, what's dumb. the point like what's the point i feel like you're almost just eating shoulder at that point yeah huh yeah, it is. It's literally the top of the ass. Yeah. So, I don't know. They got it. People swear by it. I think yeah. it's big in Texas. I think Texas likes their picanha. Yeah, I, th- I think I've. I think I've heard that. 
yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I saw it. I've never, I've never seen, I've only heard about it, whatever. Um, it is apparently according to Wikipedia, the most prized cut of meat in Brazil. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Have, but is, is there like a law against having a ribeye or a filet? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, I like ribeyes myself, but yeah, it's got to be something like I just imagine it would be great. Like just cooking, you would I would you would I would imagine you have to go fat cap up. So like the fat just melts and dissolves and gets into it and the whole thing. Like I'm sure it's probably great. Um, like I said I've never had it, but I have seen the videos. Might but- also be one of those things like you ever see where they like they like cut a steak but skewer it so it's like twisted in a way. Like you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They could cook it like that too. Yeah. Huh. I feel like I'm going to go down a rabbit hole now on Instagram looking for fucking picanha. <laughs> but again, it's like I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't think picanha, like if if, I, if we're going to get into, you know, quote unquote butchering. Yeah. Maybe you start with something you know how to cook and just, you know, trim it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Before you start getting into like cutting steaks out of this cut of meat that you've fucking seen once. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is. uh, It is seems to be cut into steaks. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the, uh, I found it on Instagram. Yeah. And it's got like, it's got that big fat layer, which I don't know why the fuck you would remove that. Yeah. And then they cut it. They slice it into strips the other way. So you can see the fat cap is like, just the little tip of it almost looks like a rib. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know which way the this grain is a, runs. This is a better picture of it. You can see like the fat cap is like the tip of it. And then it's just like a strip after that. Yeah, that could be the way the the the, the grain runs or whatever. Yeah. Huh. Look, looks good, though. Yeah. Kind of want to try it now. I bet yeah, you I, I could get but, it at the meat bar in North Attleboro. Shout out to uh, Meat Bar. Yeah, the only the only thing though with with some stuff like that is you got to buy like the whole roast, so it's like you're into it yeah. for five pounds. Yeah, I was gonna say, what are you going to do with seven pounds of picanha? <laughs> yeah, it's like, and not for nothing. Even at even if five ninety nine a pound is like cheap. Yeah, it's a thirty dollar cut that yeah. you're buying. Right. Right. So like, yeah. Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, but I guess uh, if, I guess if you know what you're doing, then yeah, you have a decent cut for five ninety nine. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. So who knows? Not me. Um, my final thoughts. Um, I was going to do a thing on aliens, but I'm going to pivot. I'm going to save that for when we have more time to talk about it. Cause I think it's fascinating. Um, I just listened to a Joe Rogan podcast where he had a guy on about aliens, but uh, maybe in the next episode. Uh, so my actual final thought is going to be that the, the terminal list on Amazon prime is absolutely fucking crushing. Um, I think I saw something the other day. It's been over a 
billion hours of it has been watched or something like that. Let me see um, if I can find the post really quickly. Um, duh, 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 duh. No, I can't find it fast enough. I don't want to sit here and scroll. Um, but I'm pretty sure the post that I saw was that the terminal list had hit over a billion hours streamed or something like that on Amazon Prime. So for anyone that doesn't know, the terminal list was a book. It's actually a series now, but it was a book uh, written by Jack Carr, who's a former Navy SEAL, um, and it's a fiction story. But so it's not like one of those Navy SEAL guys who writes a book about like, this is what you have to do to be awesome. It's like, no, I'm going to write a fiction of novel about like cool shit. So it's this guy who is a former Navy SEAL. Um, and it's a little bit of Jason Bourne, like John Wick style meets like the Punisher, right? Like it's, it's actually probably really similar to the Punisher. Um, it's, it's incredible. Uh, it, the book, the books are great because, um, Jack Carr does a really good job of like putting in specific details that are like real life. So he's friends with the guys from black rifle coffee. So there's like in the book, he's like, oh yeah. And you know, Reese, James Reese is the main character. And he's like, Reese grabs his coffee of, or his, his cup of, uh, black rifle coffee and like goes and does his thing or he talks about like sig sour being like the gun manufacturer that he really likes like he uses real world uh stuff in the book so it's pretty cool it adds that more ele- that extra element of like realism i love the books um i've read the first one i haven't finished the second one um but it, it's it's great um so far the Amazon Prime series has Chris Pratt in it. And like I said, it has been absolutely crushing. Everyone loves it. People are talking about it. It's had over a billion hours streamed. However, <laughs> because this is 2022 uh, and this is the world that we live in, if you on a purely like speculative speculative level, that's a hard word for me to say, um, if you just go on and Google the terminal list series, like on Amazon, it has been absolutely crushed by the critics. Like, I think like the actual, like quote unquote movie critics have given it no more than like three stars. Like a lot of them have given it two stars. If you read like the, again, the professional reviews, they're like plot lines, bad. Um, it's, it's glorifying guns. Uh, it's like all this shit. So the point I also kind of want to get at too, with that is like I said, one, I've watched it from beginning to end and it's phenomenal. I'm, I know I'm biased cause I like the books and I read, I read them. Um, but the series is great, but also like, you can't deny that it's crushing, right? Like it has over a billion hours that it's been streamed. So there was a little nervousness that, you know, around getting it renewed for season two. Um, Cause I, I follow Jack Carr on social media and all that stuff. And he's been on some podcasts that I listen to. Um, I needless to say uh, with a billion hours downloaded, I think the second season is going to be okay. 
Um, there's five books out right now. So I think there'll be, you know, at least five seasons, um, which should be good. But how fucking dumb is that? That the, again, the, the quote professional movie critics are like, no, this is really bad. Don't watch it. But all of the regular people love it. I, I, I just Googled it. Yeah. (laughs) It's on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 40%, which is not good at all. Yep. 89% 89% of Google users like this show. Yeah. Go on Google and like, or I, uh, sorry, you don't use Google. Yeah. <laughs> say, go like it, make it 89.1. But what is, um, did Rotten Tomatoes give the, the people score? Cause don't they do 94. both? Oh, 90, the, yeah. 94. There it is. There it is. There you go. So the critic score was what? 49, 39, 39%. And the people score was 94. Shows probably almost everything you need to know. Yeah. Everyone that watches it loves it. But the the Hollywood people are like, no, don't do this. Should because I, they talk about guns. Should I start reading headlines? Yes. <laughs> From Variety. The terminal list creator denies the show is right-wing fantasy. Critics hate it because woke stuff isn't shoved into it. <laughs> Fox News. Terminalist author responds to woke critics of hit show. It was made to speak to military, comma, veterans. Uh there is nothing woke in it. I will say that. Then Chris Pratt, he's been trolling some people. So it's a combination too. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago about how people just hate on Chris Pratt for no reason. So people just hate people in Hollywood hate Chris Pratt because he doesn't play by their rules. And also it's a show about a military guy that goes around and kills people. A la the Punisher. And then a month ago, so this is where it comes from, the Daily Beast, which I don't know if that's a real thing. That ants, uh, no, just that. The terminal list is an unhinged right-wing revenge fantasy. Yep. And then former Navy SEAL and author of the terminal list says critics are angry over lack of woke agenda. Yeah. I might have to support this now. <laughs> Do you have Amazon Prime? Well, I don't, but I have access to it. Yeah. It's it's a fucking phenomenal show. So I haven't been like, able to watch any dude. I haven't been able to watch anything though. Like, I don't know. I just yeah. can't fucking pay attention. Yeah. I, um, so when I read the book, I, this was like maybe, maybe a year or two ago two maybe two years ago. Um, I like the, the, the way it was written and this is why I love the books I was so fucking into it that like my heart rate got elevated. Like, I think at one point I was reading it and I looked at my whoop, I was sitting down, sitting down, reading it. And my heart rate was like a (laughs) hundred. I don't think there's anything that could captivate my attention for that. Like, like that. It's just, I don't think it can happen anymore. Have you watched the boys? No. Okay. Cause everyone, it's some, it's on, um, Oh, fuck me. What plat? Oh, I think it's on Amazon Prime as well. And it's, okay. it's like, uh, it, it's, it's not a superhero show, but it's a show about superheroes. 
and it's as though like they're in like regular life and um it's like hey they're superheroes but they're just like really fucking shitty people Hmm. and then there's people that don't like them so it's like they're the boys and you know they're doing what they can to like kind of hunt these people that i don't know but like people really really seem to like it and Hmm. i just cannot fucking pay attention to it and i don't think it's bad it's just i can't i just can't pay attention to it yeah yeah no i've never even heard of it i've i've heard of people talk about um the old man with jeff bridges yeah i've heard that too he's like a former the basically the cliff notes i got of it he's a former cia guy with two badass dogs and i'm like okay (laughs) yeah i've heard that's good people have talked about the boys I, i don't know yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But again, it's like, I don't think it's a bad show. I just can't pay attention to it like at all. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I'm, j- I'm just an idiot. If you do get into uh, the terminal list, though, let me know. It's great. Let's so, talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk the, uh, about it. the first, I think the first episode is a little slow. Um, but it's like doing a, it's just doing like a setup. Like they have to set up everything. Um, so obviously for me, it was a little slower because I read the book. So I knew, I, I know what happens. So like the, the whole first episode is basically like to get everyone up to speed for people that didn't read the book. Like, this is this guy, this is what's going to happen. This is a whole shtick. And then we'll get into it. Um, but it gets, it gets pretty good after the first episode. So that's that. Uh, thanks for uh, being with us here on Good Old Sarcasm Speaks. Uh, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to uh, give us a thumbs up, like it, rate it, review it, leave us a comment if you would like. Uh, there was a really funny comment. I was ho- kind of hoping to get into a, a battle with them, but they never responded. Someone, Some random person commented on one of the podcasts that we put up and was like, what a lame, what is it? A lame, unoriginal podcast or whatever. So I commented back and was like, wow, what a lame, unoriginal comment. And then they never responded. I I was really hoping to get into a a battle there, but uh, leave us a comment if you want, whatever. I'll uh, I'll respond at some point. Um, You can uh, get us on Twitter at sarcasm underscore speaks. We're on Instagram at sarcasm speaks pod. Uh, Facebook is sarcasm speaks. The website sarcasmspeaks.com. Go to grillyourassoff.com. Use the promo code SarcasmPod to save 10% off your order every single time you check out over there. Uh, Good for all products over there too. Um, If you're an audio-only guy, also subscribe. Remember, uh, don't forget. Don't don't forget to do that. Don't forget to tell everybody you know about the show. Shout out to uh, the people in Nevada that just started listening to the show. We just got our first couple downloads out there. That's kind of cool. Someone in Virginia, I think, has been binge listening to us. It's just been like a bunch of downloads in Virginia, uh, but I think it's just one person probably, but you know, whatever. Shout out to all you guys, friends of the show. Uh, you come on if you want, reach out to us, whatever. We'll have you on. We'll have anybody on. Um, I think that covers everything. So until next time, good night, everybody.